program. Happy Wednesday. It is another edition of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you. We are live at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club. The Shaw Classic Tournament Week is here. Today the Pro-Am tickets still available as the tournament gets it to kick off on Friday. It is a beautiful 26 degrees. There's a nice breeze blowing through. We are right beside hole one as the golfers tee off this afternoon and make their way through this beautiful golf course. We'll tell you more about the Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers as the afternoon goes on. We'll even hear from a couple of very special members that are going to be here this weekend, including a chat with Mike Weir coming up in hour two of the program today. So very excited. Uh, Pat Steinberg's going to join us. Of course, we're talking golf here on Sportsnet 960. No one better to bring on than our pal Wes Gilbertson. So we got a packed 2 o'clock hour chatting some golf here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. But right now, we're uh, coming at you from Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club. But our usual home is at the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in Calgary, Alberta. That's where outstanding producers Cam and Taylor are this afternoon. And we got a busy show to get to. The Calgary Stampeders making another major addition this morning as they try to turn their season around. It's been a up-and-down campaign for Dave Dickinson in his first year as head coach and GM. But the GM side of him bringing back some familiar faces. We've seen the likes of James Vauders return in the offseason from the NFL. Mark and Michelle is back. Marquise Ambles is back. And today, a defensive addition back with the organization. Shaquille Richardson, defensive back from the University of Arizona, is back in red and white. An original Stampeder fighting back in 2015, appearing in 27 games with the Stamps in 2016 and 2017. He would head down to the National Football League for a number of seasons before joining the Argos in 2019, where he played 29 regular season games over three seasons for the Argos and was a member of their Grey Cup winning team in 2022. Played 56 regular season CFL games, 133 tackles, six for a loss, 18 special teams tackles, one sack, four forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries to go with 10 interceptions, including two pick sixes. So funny enough, as me and Pat Steinberg talked about on yesterday's show, some areas of improvement for this Calgary Stampeders group, probably looking at the back end. Well, if it's a Shaquille Richardson that we've seen the last couple of years uh, during his time in red and white or his time as a member of the Toronto Argonauts, we certainly will get that. Coming up in just a few moments, we will hear from Dave Dickinson, head coach, and GM of the Calgary Stampeders, his regular chat with the guys on the morning show. Happened a little bit earlier today and comes during one of his worst starts as a CFL head coach. Lots of pressure on himself, lots of pressure on quarterback Jake Mayer. So we'll hear from the head coach of the Calgary Stampeders coming up in just moments. Also this hour, Toronto Blue Jays. They kicked off a two-game series at home against the Philadelphia Phillies last night. And Taylor, you must have been excited. Kevin Biggio coming through for the Toronto Blue Jays. And only the way that Kevin Biggio can, the classic hit-by-pitch RBI. It's a game-winner for Kevin Biggio. And the Toronto Blue Jays come out with a 2-1 win. Uh, the offense slowed again with runners in scoring position, but a deep bullpen, Jordan Hicks, and the return of Jordan Romano for the save come through big for the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll talk to our pal Sho Ali from Sports at 590, the fan in Toronto, all things Toronto Blue Jays. A little bit later on 
this hour. But I did want to bring in Taylor, my producer. She is by the mic because, Taylor, you are the leader of the Kevin Biggio fan club here at Sportsnet 960. And uh, your boy got it done last night for the Jays. I mean, are we surprised? I was surprised. He, I was out last night, so I kind of watched two of his at-bats, and both of them he got walked. So when I got home, I got the notification that he got hit by a pitch, and I'm like, did he even like actually have an at-bat, or was it just <laughs> getting walked? <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've had a running joke between me and Taylor all year about Kevin Biggio's importance to the Calgary, or to the Toronto Blue Jays, excuse me. And uh, look, over the last couple of weeks, I've unfortunately lost the battle. I think early on in the season, uh, my point was well made, but even I have to admit, uh, Kevin Biggio's come through with some clutch hits for the Jays of late, and uh, I don't know that he had much to do with it last night, being hit by the pitch, but he gets the game-winning RBI, and uh, you can't argue with that. The Jays desperately needing to keep uh, winning streak together as they try to hold off teams like the Seattle Mariners for that final AL uh, wild card spot, and that's what they're doing right now. They look to finish off this series with a win tonight. It's a 5.07 first pitch tonight. You can listen to it right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan Aaron Nola goes for the Phillies. He's 9-8 and eight with a 4.49 ERA. Jays will counter with Kevin Gosman, who is 9-6 this season with a 3.04 ERA. So more Jays talk coming up in a little bit, but I promised we'd hear from the head coach and GM of the Calgary Stampeders. Tough times for Dave Dickinson and company, times that we're not really used to here in Calgary. Dave Dickinson's not used to answering questions about the quarterback, about the future of his team, and maybe not used to feeling this amount of pressure nine games into the season, but the Stamps are three and six and staring at a Friday night matchup against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So how is Dave Dickinson feeling about his crew right now? Well, the morning show, Matt Rose and George Russick caught up with the Calgary Stampeders head coach and GM with their regular talk a little bit earlier today. Here's part of that conversation with Dave Dickinson. Um, wanted to ask you, uh, fresh off the biggest win of the season, beating the undefeated Argonauts, and then uh, obviously a disappointing effort against the BC Lions. Uh, I know there's no such thing as a letdown game, but did that feel a little bit like a letdown game against the Lions after such an emotional big win over the Argos? Well, there probably is something to it as a letdown game. I, I, I didn't see it coming. Uh, was, it was our worst game of the year by far, and uh, you know, it is a little perplexing. But for me, I guess I'm telling the guys, hey, figure out what the tone is, set it early, and it always starts out, honestly. You can usually tell how you're going to play that first little bit. It's special teams and then penalties. So you look at the game before Toronto, obviously, we first special team, we punt them down inside the 10. We hold them to and out. Uh, we dominated the line of scrimmage, and, and they were the ones. They were jumping off sides. I know their coach was uh, perplexed at how they couldn't, you know, play penalty-free. Now you fast-forward to our game. We go off sides on the very first kickoff. Uh, we take a penalty that extends their drive to get a touchdown. We get the ball on our first one. First play is a holding call. It's just – it really is – when you look back, like, we just uh, didn't have our best stuff, if, if any of our stuff, and – it was just a game, unfortunately, that uh, we missed on an opportunity to go out there and try to build on something. So we're right back at it, six days um, back home here playing Winnipeg, another tough opponent. So, you know, I do feel like our guys are excited to get going. But, uh, yeah, we got to play at our best to beat these guys, and we're looking forward to that chance. Dave Dickinson, part of his conversation with the morning show, Rustic and Rose on the big show. Tough times for the Calgary Stampeders, but looking ahead to – Friday against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Legacy Night, part of a team that Dave Dickinson 
obviously knows well. We'll see the likes of Jeff Garcia and other Stampeders legends making their way into Calgary, and hopefully the Stampeders will put on a good show for their alumni coming into town. It's going to be a tough test. 7-2 Blue Bombers, 3-6 and six Stampeders. Uh, again, the Calgary Stampeders bringing back another familiar face, this time on the back end. Shaq Richardson back with the team after a couple years in the NFL and a couple years with the Toronto Argonauts. So Marquis Hambles back with the Stampeders, expected to play this week. We'll see what Shaq Richardson looks like as he is back in the red and white as well. We need to take a break. We'll come back on the other side. The Toronto Blue Jays kicked off a two-game homestand against the Philadelphia Phillies with a win yesterday. The offense couldn't get it going, but the defense and the pitching able to keep them in it. Is this a good sign for the stretch for the Jays? How we feel about Jordan Romano's return to play? We'll get to all of that and more with Show Ali coming up next live from Canyon Middles Golf and Country Club here in uh, Calgary, Alberta for the Shaw Charity Classic. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Fans on their feet. The one-two. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Jordan Romano saves the game for the Blue Jays. They win 2-1 over Philadelphia in a nail-biting series opening win. Nail-biting, a great way to describe it for the Toronto Blue Jays. They escape game one of this two-game set against the Philadelphia Phillies with a 2-1 win last night. That's the call you heard across the Sportsnet radio network. Jays 2, Phillies 1. The series wraps up tonight with Kevin Gosman on the mound. For the Toronto Blue Jays, you can hear it right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, we are live from the Shaw Charity Classic at the Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club this afternoon. We'll tell you more about what we're doing here and what you can expect on tournament week throughout the afternoon. We're here for two hours for Sportsnet today and a special edition of Flamestock coming up a little bit later on as well. But we're going to continue the Toronto Blue Jays chat right now coming off their win last night. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcoming our friend from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. It's our pal, Show Ali. Show, thanks for the time, man. How are you? Good, Logan. How's it going? I, I see that uh, Mike Weir is after me. That's pretty cool. Yes, you. Uh, he's going to have to bring it to follow up a strong performance from you here. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I, it's probably not hard for Mike Weir, so I'll, I'll give him a pass. He's got some experience on you. We'll give you the, we'll give you the pass, but you're going to bring it, no doubt. Uh, always enjoy our chats together, pal. Uh, a nail-biter last night, as we heard from Ben Shulman on the call. Uh, it, it was a tricky one. and seemed like a, a lot of the things we've talked about with this Jays team came to fruition last night. Runners in scoring position, a chance to put it away, and an unconventional uh, winning run for Kevin Biggio. But the strength of that bullpen really came through for them last night, especially with Jordan Romano returning. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. I think the four pitchers... Including you, say Kikuchi. It was I think it went Kikuchi, Jimmy Garcia, Jordan Hicks, and of course Jordan Romano. And pretty much every single one of those guys, Logan, can throw just some absolutely ludicrous heat, right? Like they were blowing guys away, especially uh, Jordan Hicks at the end there. I think there was a moment where he was facing, I think it was Kyle Schwarber, and he had uh, he threw a hundred, then he threw eighty five, then he threw a hundred and two, kind of yo-yoing yo-yoing the Phillies batter so I don't know anytime you can get terrific just phenomenal pitching from Yusei Kikuchi and then you get to follow it up with three flamethrowers it's it makes it tough on any team much less the Phillies a team that yeah it's scuffled at, at times this year but it's also the same team by and large that went to the World Series last year so it, it really did feel like a playoff matchup to me I do want to get on uh, the Yusei Kikuchi storyline because I heard Blake Murphy uh, chatting about it on Jay's Talk Plus, and just this 
level of consistency that we've seen over really over the season for you, Kikuchi, but talk about this last six, seven starts have been just so phenomenal for this Jays team. Can you remember the last time you saw a guy go from the lows that you say Kikuchi had last year to the level that he's at this year? Because I've been racking my brain trying to see the kind of turnaround that we've seen season to season from a guy like you say Kikuchi. Yeah, it's funny. Like people are talking about Kikuchi perhaps being the the comeback player of the year, and you know what? I, I, I find sometimes the comeback player of the year is is often for like someone who gets injured or something like that. But boy, mm-hmm. I mean, Kikuchi has been so so good. I find it hard not to at least have that conversation about him because it's true. I mean, you look year over year, and I. I struggle to think as not even just for the Blue Jays, not even just in baseball, but just guys who have had such different years year over year. I mean, over his last six starts, Kikuchi has an ERA of like less than two. I think it's like 1.2 something, which is absolutely crazy. He just looks like you can often tell pretty early on in a start how he's going to perform based on not just his command of of the slider, for example, which was pretty nasty last night anyways, but uh, certainly the fastball, but he can throw. He might be one of the hardest-throwing lefties, I think, in all of baseball. And when he can command that pitch, he can basically do anything he wants. And last night, I think he threw like nine or ten pitches in the in the first inning and got all the Phillies batters. And you know what? Actually, it was a pretty great pitching duel as well because for all uh, as much as I'm looking forward to tonight with Aaron Nola and Kevin Gosman, yesterday's matchup, seemed kind of uneven on the surface with Zach Wheeler going up against Kikuchi. And Kikuchi was, I would say, like, at the very least, as good as someone in Zach Wheeler who has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the past, like, five years. So mm-hmm. it's, it was pretty remarkable to see the turnaround from Kikuchi because we're now at a point, Logan, where I think you and I had chatted like, maybe a couple months ago about, like, oh, what would a potential wild card series uh, rotation look like in a three-game series? And I think then we talked about how it would probably be Gosman number one, Barrios number two, and then there's like a conversation for number three. If you said to me right now that Kikuchi should be like the number two starter after Gosman over Barrios, it's, it might be like a little bit of a hot take, but honestly, the way he's played since the All-Star break probably doesn't mean it's, it's that crazy anymore. No, it doesn't seem that way, especially if he can keep this up over the next couple of weeks. I think he's firmly supplanted himself in the trust zone for John Schneider and and, and Pete Walker to know that you're going to get at least a quality outing out of Yusei Kikuchi every time he takes the mound this season. Uh, I'm curious from your perspective how this affects a guy like Alec Manoa in the sense that Hunjin Ryu's come back. He's been uh, pretty adequate, I'd say, coming off of Tommy John surgery for a guy that's as old as he is and a guy that doesn't bring a lot of velocity to his game. Do you think this is a, a good thing for Alec Manoa in the sense show that there isn't that pressure for him to come back to the organization immediately and, you know, have to pump out wins for this group or have to go six or seven innings because they do have some of this sort of unexpected depth that we weren't sure about to start the season? I, I do think that all things considered with Alec Manoa, it's probably based on what we've seen this year is, is a good thing because I, I kind of like a conversation anyone would have had about Jose Barrios last year. It's not, a, it's not as though that stuff just completely goes away. You're not going to be like a top three Cy Young candidate in the American League and then be like one of the worst pitchers forever after that. Like you clearly are very, very talented if you are that kind of player. So if that's the case, then you know what? I, I really do feel like Alec Manoa will make his way back. Unfortunately, kind of what you're talking about, I, I'm not really sure 
it will be until next year at this point. Like if, if we start, you know, and we're in spring training 2024 and we're getting into the end of March, beginning of April 2024, and we're still talking about Alec Manoa not p- performing particularly well, then maybe I'd be a little bit concerned. But it's true that I think him going down to the minors and, and it, it would make more sense to send him all the way back down than to Buffalo. But given that it's August 16th today, rosters do expand uh, in September. I kind of wonder if maybe they'll let him work on a couple of things here and there in, in the in the Bison's organization between now and the end of the month. And then at the beginning of September, we might actually see Alec Manoa get called back up to the majors. And he might be asked to, per, to produce in maybe a handful of starts here and there. But it's true. If you're looking forward to like the playoffs, for example, I mean, in the first round, probably neither Ryu or Manoa are, are on the roster just because of you probably want more bullpen arms when a three-game series means you can start someone like Gosman, Kikuchi, Barrios, or Barrios, Kikuchi, for example. But, you know, going forward beyond that, it would probably take a lot for Manoa to contribute this year. So, yeah, it's probably better for him to be uh, working on some things in the minors and look ahead to uh, what we all hope is a great season next year. Uh, is the bullpen about to get a little bit complicated for John Schneider, knowing that uh, in AAA Buffalo he's got two guys with some pretty considerable uh, experience? Of course, we're talking about Trav- uh, Trevor Richards and Chad Green down there. We haven't seen Tra- Chad Green yet, but uh, at some point we're expecting him to, to come up and, and show his stuff at the major league level. I- until rosters expand, are we going to see John Schneider have to get a little bit creative to just see what he has in all of these guys? Because the bullpen looks pretty deep right now, and I suppose you want to have as many options as possible as you get late in the season. Oh, yeah. I think, like, I, you're not wrong that it absolutely is going to get complicated for John Schneider, but I would say, like, it's going to get complicated maybe in, like, the best possible way. It certainly seems like he's going to have some, some tough decisions to make with some of the existing arms. Like, Jay Jackson, for example, has performed very, very, very well. He has been found money for the Blue Jays, but – he, he does have an option remaining, so I kind of do wonder if he might be sent back down to the minors when it's time to call back Trevor Richards from the IL or Chad Green. And you mentioned Chad Green, Logan. Actually, this only this, like literally only happened in the last, like I think, 30 minutes. But uh, Chad Green uh, made an appearance for the Bisons today, and uh, he struck out three. He allowed a pair of hits and a one and a third innings of work with the Bison. So he came back from that kind of really freaky sort of injury where he took the ball off the back of the head from Tyler Heineman yeah. on a throw to second, which was like such a, such a wild play. I don't remember seeing that very often, but Hey, it's a good thing. He seems to be fine. And if you can add uh, to a bullpen that exists like the blue Jays already, and you're adding Trevor Richards, you already re-added Jordan Romano and you're adding Chad green as well. I mean, if you're taking out, let's say Jay Jackson and, Bowden Francis, even if I do think something is there for Bowden Francis, and you know you're adding those guys, that's that looks pretty good to me. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, Logan. I actually struggle to remember a time in my adult life when the Blue Jays. It, it was it was feasible to say the Blue Jays had one of the, if not the best bullpen in the American League, and it's pretty pretty crazy to say it might be, if not the first time in the last like 30 years, it might be like one of the very few times you're able to say that. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I think throughout most of my baseball watching life and as I've paid you know close attention to the Jays they've always seemingly had a piece or two that you could rely on but it always felt like you know throughout the course of the season you knew those guys were going to get taxed with the important innings it, it does feel like maybe now more than ever uh, for John Schneider and Pete Walker it might actually be a discussion you can actually play a bit of the lefty righty game uh, a bit more with yourself if you want to go down that road because you're right 
I mean, right now, who do you say you've got a long list of guys that you probably have trust in? And I don't know that we could always say that for, for many Jays teams. Yeah, like, for example, and I think you bring up a good point. Like, the idea that there, there, there has been maybe, like, a good reliever or two. But, like, between now and the time that Henke and Ward were pitching for the Blue Jays in the, in the early 90s, you know, you look at, like, Casey Jansen certainly was very, very good. And Roberto Orsuna, that era ended for the right reasons, obviously, because of all of the, the outside, off-the-field stuff. But even beyond him, there were a couple of good setup guys. But there was never I, – I, honestly, I don't think there was ever a good bullpen to this point where a guy – the first guy you'd put into a game right down to the closer, all of them have, A, pretty wicked stuff. B, you're pretty confident in having them pitch to pretty much any batter, even if there are righty-lefty splits for most guys. You pretty much feel good about, I would say, virtually everyone – and, and to add on to that, yeah, when you're adding Trevor Richards back and you hope Chad Green is what he was when he was with the Yankees and so on, yeah, it's going to be a, it's a pretty good place for the Jays to win. It, does, it probably does mean, though, especially if you look back at last night's game, a 2-1 win over the Phillies, I'm guessing, Logan, you, we'll probably see a lot more uh, like uncomfortable wins down the stretch when it's like a 2-1 final or a 3-2 final or a 4-1 final, for example, where – you know, runners are on late and you need the bullpen to put out some fires. But, hey, if, if the bullpen's going to continue being this good and you hope they stay healthy, I mean, you'll feel good about them being asked to put out some fires. 100%. Show Ali's with us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Jays and Phillies finish up this two-game set from Rogers Center tonight with a 5.07 first pitch here in Calgary. Uh, we're obviously watching uh, Bo Bouchette as he makes his uh, DHing. Uh, spot in Buffalo as well. We got rained out. I know he had some action today. Show uh, as a as a whole, how do you think the Jays have handled uh, being without their top hitter over the last couple of weeks? Oh, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Like the, the offense has looked worse, obviously, <laughs> without their literal best player. But uh, it's true. Like they, they've, I think that we've seen some more contributions from guys that you you wanted to see more from. Like we have seen more, for example, from. Dalton Varsho, if I can look back towards the Cubs game to end that series, he had five runs, and of course that was a career high for him, so you're not going to uh, get that from Varsho or really anyone on, on a regular basis, but he has uh, changed his swing at the plate with his, a bit of adding a bit of a toe tap before he swings, so maybe that's something he can work on, and you know, it's funny, it's not just Bo that's missing, they've, are, they've also missed Kevin Kiermeyer, who had been pretty productive out of the ninth spot, and they've also missed Matt Chapman unexpectedly over the past couple of games with the, him having pinched his right middle finger between a dumbbell on the rack. So it's just it, when you get crazy stuff like that, you know, the lineup obviously is going to change to a degree where you're having like Biggio hit fifth, for example, or Espinal is in there a little more often, or DeYoung, who has struggled since coming over, has been uh, in the lineup more often than you might expect. But it, even though the lineup has uh, struggled at times, I do think we've managed to get some more contributions from guys like Dalton Varsho. I think Alejandro Kirk still not hitting where you want him to, but certainly he's been lifting the ball a little more instead of putting the ball on the ground. So that's a bit of a positive development. Of course, though, I think, and you and I have talked about this before, Logan, but just the, the simple idea that the Blue Jays will probably always go, not as the bottom half of the order goes, but as the top half of the order goes, right? And if the top half sure. of the order is, is made up of, you know, Bo certainly, but also Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and George Springer. I mean, those guys have to pick it up. When Bo comes back and he's looked pretty good today, he has a pair of hits when he's been DHing the first game of this doubleheader today, so that's always good to see. 
But uh, with George Springer, he has lo- certainly looked much, much better since that uh, really b- terrible over 35 slump. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is is, like, is the guy you want more from. Like he did work a, a late walk, which ended up being pivotal in a in a two one win. But boy, you, you definitely need to see more offense from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because he's having from for his own lofty standards. He's having a bad year. I think if you were comparing it to like the average major league ball player, it's an okay year. But for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you do you do need more with or without Bobichet. Uh, and last but not least, it was obviously a, a tremendous story seeing David Schneider come up uh, and have such an immediate impact. Where are you on, on on David Schneider and his spot in this lineup as the Jays potentially get healthier over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, you know what? It's a good, it's a good question because I do kind of wonder, especially with how Whit Merrifield has been playing and with how some of the other guys have been playing as well. Like, let's say Kevin Kiermaier comes back and immediately goes back like four of seven days into the outfield. You, you Maybe you have Varsho more in left. You still have Springer in right, which means you don't need Whit Merrifield to be out in left. You can have him at second. So that probably does mean the need for David Schneider as, a, as a, one of the members in a nine batting order here is probably a little bit less. But I, I, he might actually get optioned back down to the minors just to continue to work on some things. But there's a real chance that, again, we talked about this with Manoa, when rosters expand, I have no doubt that David Schneider will find a place because he clearly is – there is a spot for him. I'm just not sure if you're, if you're putting out your best lineup right now, I think it is better to have guys like uh, Espinal and – certainly Merrifield available in the batting order one through nine more than it is for David Schneider. But again, like if you're talking about next year, for example, it, while it will depend on what happens with Merrifield, I think there's a chance that David Schneider could very well be depending on how he looks b- between now and the end of the regular season, certainly beginning of next year. There's a real chance David Schneider as an everyday player next season. I just, I'm not sure the room is there. Like you say, Logan, as the team gets healthier between now and like, the playoffs, for example. Uh, where do we hear your next show? You're going to be on uh, pregame today as well. Uh, not today, but I will be doing uh, Jay's talk all weekend for the Red Series, which should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, pal. Thanks for the time. Always appreciate you joining us up here in Calgary, man. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, we'll chat again sometime soon, pal. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, Logan. Take care. Thanks, Joelle. Joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Jay's and Phillies game two of their two game set. From Rogers Center goes tonight. It's a 5.07 first pitch right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan with Kevin Gosman on the mound. We are live at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club for the Shaw Charity Classic. Tournament week is here. It is a beautiful day here at the uh, Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club. We are here, of course, uh, for one of the great tournaments in golf. The Champions Tour is here. The names that you know and love from over the years, John Daly, Stephen Ames, Mike Weir, Jerry Kelly, just to name a few. The Pro-Am round one is on today, round two tomorrow. they got free admission. You want to come out and check out this beautiful golf course over the next two days before the tournament gets going on Friday. Now is the time to do so. This is just a perfect breeze going on. We're just by the water here, uh, by the first hole, by the first tee here at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club. It is beautiful. You can still get tickets. Head to ShawCharityClassic.com. Go to the tickets uh, stub there, and you can go. Uh, it's also a good place for you to go and donate, supporting uh, Alberta's youth. Uh, the tournament has raised more than $76 million for over 230 Alberta charity uh, children and youth charities in the last nine seasons. It's an absolutely 
outstanding event. We can't wait to be here. We're going to be here again on Saturday for a special edition of Sportsnet Today with myself and Pat Steinberg. And speaking of Mr. Steinberg, we have a special guest coming up next, Mike Weir. You know him, you love him, PGA champion. He's going to join us around the corner. We're going to bring in a couple of guests to help interview Mike. Not only is Pat Steinberg going to be here, but our pal uh, Wes Gilbertson from Post Media is going to join us as well. Hour two of the show continues next, live from the Shaw Charity Classic here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.